So listen, we are in week two of Resolve. And my prayer is that last week you were able to come here, if you were here for it, that you listened to it, that you were inspired and encouraged to go and find resolve in your life, to become an influence rather than being influenced. That you would be someone in your world that influences others rather than being influenced by others. And we see from this 15-year-old kid named Daniel. That's who we're focusing on tonight. His name is Daniel. That's who the whole series is around. He was 15 years old when he was taken from his home, thrust into a foreign culture, thrust into external circumstances that told him he was supposed to live a certain way, and yet he had the resolve to say, no, I'm going to follow God. My internal response is not going to be dictated by my external circumstances. It took incredible resolve. And see, the resolve that all of us need to have in our life tonight, we can learn from Daniel. And so tonight we're going to continue by doing this, by focusing on resolve in another area of your life, purity. Now here's what just happened. I said we're going to talk about resolving your purity, and one of two things just happened. You're in the room and you either went, all right, we're talking about purity, okay. Or you went, oh crap, we're talking about purity. <laughs> one of those two things happened, because typically we associate the word purity with sex and sexual purity. And so whenever you hear that word, that is the, that's the typical association that we make. That if we're talking about purity, we're talking about sexual purity. But here's the deal. Purity is much more than just sex. Purity is a lifestyle. And so through tonight, my prayer is that we would be able to understand the heart of this. Because it's not just sex, it's a lifestyle. And so there are two things before we go into tonight that I kind of want to lay down. Some ground rules for us. Some things I want you to understand. The first is that God gives us his grace freely. Now, these aren't in the notes. There's two things that you need to hear before we even start. God gives us his grace freely. So regardless of, of where you are when you come in this room, you could be the dirtiest person on the planet or you could be the cleanest, okay? It doesn't matter the moment you come in here because if you want to approach God and live a pure life, live a life of purity, then all you got to do is approach him and say, make me clean. I say it over and over again, but it can't be repeated enough. You don't have to get clean before you come to God. You come to God and he makes you clean. That's called grace. And God gives us his grace freely. We can do nothing to deserve it because every single one of us in this room has sinned before. And if you don't think that you have, then you just lied and you sinned. So now we've all sinned, okay? And so we're all in the same place in this. There's no level of where you are. We are all way over here, dirty and in need of someone to make us pure. That's what God does, and he gives it to us freely. The second thing that you need to understand is, again, that purity is much more than sex. Purity is a lifestyle. It's the way that you live. It's your words. It's your ears, what you take in. It's in your mind. It's in your heart. It's the words that come out of your tongue. It's in the things you bring with your eyes. It's how you treat your body. It's how you associate with friends. A life of purity, having resolve in your purity, is a lifestyle, not just sex. So now that we got those two things covered, um, here's kind of the thing that you hear a lot of times, is that Christians have gotten, those that follow Jesus, have gotten really good at fighting for your purity. It's one of those like taglines. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just fighting to stay pure. Or I'm just fighting for her purity when we date. So we're having physical and emotional boundaries. I'm, I'm just fighting for purity. And the truth is, it can really become quite humorous. Because we act like, as Christians, we're, we're living a pure life. And so then we come up with these things that we do and these words that we say to make us more pure. I, I really hope you understand what I'm talking about. Because rather than saying a cuss word, we're going to say our own version of the word. 
and it's going to be sweeter and nicer. And we live in Georgia, so heaven forbid you cuss, right? I mean, that's what all of our grandparents would say. But Christians have gotten really good at coming up with those, those phrases of our own that keep us pure. And there are two guys, two of the funniest guys around here that I know. Their names are Tripp and Tyler. And they came up with a video to show us just exactly the stuff Christians say. I thought you'd enjoy it. Take a look. Backsliding? I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station is the fish? 104.3, the fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you'd give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. I just I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group? Community group? Access group? Accountability group? Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's Seeker. Don't they do Seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's not enough meat, you know? Are they non to non? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're gonna have a sweet time of fellowship tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. Been struggling with that. So I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. Need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm <clears throat> pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that? Yeah, we'll bounce your ass. Bounce your ass. Dang it. Crap. Shoot. Sheesh. Frit. Darn it. What the H? Holy crap. Son of a beastie. Dude, he's really teeing me off. I'm gonna kick his A. Are you asking me right now? Not cool. I find that offensive. Come on, that's good, right? Yes. And all of you clapping are guilty of every one of those. That's true. Now, see, we use these words. My favorite, I, I love, you can get totally caught off guard with it. Like you stub your toe, you're really mad at someone, you just, mother father, right? See, you didn't expect that coming, that one. Or um, our admin, Heather, she doesn't know I'm gonna say this. Something happened earlier today and she sent me an email. And in the email, the first words were, chicken fajitas. Like, I don't, are you hungry, Heather? I don't understand. No, she was cussing the Christian way. It's okay. See, we all do this, right? We say these words. We have these, these lifestyle habits of things we do. But here's, here's what I want you to hear. Purity is not necessarily the things that you say or the things that you do. It's not the words you say, the things you do. Purity is a matter of the heart. It's here. It's the heart that really matters when we talk about purity. And the reason why I know this to be true is because we learn it from Daniel. We see something in Daniel's heart about this resolve that he has. That he doesn't say, what the H? You're really teeing me off. There's a heart position that he takes towards his circumstances, towards the world around him, and towards his lifestyle that allows him to live with purity. So last week we learned the story of Daniel. I want to jump right back into it. There's a Bible underneath the chair in front of you. We're going to open to Daniel chapter 1 if you want to use that one. You can follow along in the notes, write your own notes on the side and the back and the, and the blanks as we get there. 
We're going to open to Daniel chapter 1 for all you cheaters. It is page 881. Uh, Daniel chapter 1. And we're going, to, we're going to read one more time the story of Daniel, particularly these first eight verses, as we talk about how Daniel had resolve in his purity and why we need to have the exact same thing. So Daniel chapter 1. Verse one, I'm going to read, you follow along, listen in, Daniel chapter one, verse one. In the third year of the reign, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, I got it right this time, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple, from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, 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 we can say it, it's okay. The king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So these people, these young people, were the cream of the crop. They were smart enough to go to tech, but look good enough to go to Georgia. Okay, can we call it what it is? There. Cream of the crop, guys. They knew everything. They were the tallest. They were the strongest. They were better, faster, stronger, smarter, all of it. And King Nebuchadnezzar went to go grab them and say, now you're going to be a part of us. He was to teach all of these people the language and literature of the Babylonians. Verse 5. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. He's like, listen, you're the cream of the crop. I'm going to make you mine. I'm going to feed you what I would be eating because I'm only going to eat the best. My name's Nebuchadnezzar and I'm the king of this place. We're the most powerful nation on the planet. I can get whatever I want and I'm going to feed you all of this food. So now carry on in verse, in verse five, they were to be trained for three years. How long? Three years. He's 15 years old, from 15 to 18. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen, among the cream of the crop, were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. There were four that stood out that we talk about still today, of all those that were chosen. Verse 7. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Meshach, or to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, maybe you've heard those names before. Verse 8. This is the key point of tonight. It's the key point of the series, and primarily where we're going to go after tonight. Verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, why did Daniel choose not to defile himself with the food and wine? What was the big deal? It's just like the best possible food he was ever going to eat in his life. Why did he choose not to defile himself? Why did he have the resolve to not do that? Because of what he knew about that food. I told you this last week. That food would have been consecrated, set apart for the Babylonian kings. Whenever they blessed that food, it would have been blessed towards the Babylonian gods, the Babylonian kings, those that were not the God of Israel, the God of Daniel. And see, Daniel being the cream of the crop, being the top of the level, he would have been very astute, very knowledgeable in the scriptures, in the Torah, the first five books of our Bible. That was the scriptures for Israel. 
And he would have known these scriptures by heart. And he would have known the words that were spoken in the laws in the book of Leviticus. Uh, everybody say Leviticus. How many of you have ever read Leviticus? And then you fell asleep two seconds later, didn't you? Right? Okay. Because Leviticus is a book of laws. It told the Israelite people how to live. It expanded upon the Ten Commandments. And in Leviticus 20, verse 7 and 8, Daniel would have known this. I'm going to show it on the screen. It says, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. It's God talking to the Israelites through Leviticus. Consecrate, set apart, be set apart. Consecrate yourselves and be what? Holy, be set apart because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. And see, Daniel would have known this. He would have known that God called for him to set himself apart, to consecrate himself towards the Lord, not towards anything else. So for him to eat that food and wine would be to defile himself. But everybody else was doing it. Why are just these four guys the only ones we read about? Because they were the four that resolved not to defile themselves, to continue following, following God. Right? Everybody else was doing it, though. All the external circumstances in the world were telling him this is what he should do. But what we learned last week is that wrong is wrong, even if everybody's doing it, and right is right, even if nobody's doing it. And so for Daniel, he knew what right was, was following God. And he resolved not to defile himself in that way. Now, why is it that he actually did that? Why did he choose to do this? Why did he have that resolve? Because God said so. Because God said to. He had resolve to not to, or not to defile himself. He had this in his, in his heart, in his bones, in his character, in his DNA, in his makeup, in his faith. Because God told him not to. I'm telling you, tonight is going to be the simplest thing you've ever heard in your life. You're going to leave here and be like, that's all. Yep, that's it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. If you want to follow along, the first thing you need to understand, why do you need to resolve to have purity in your life? Why do you need to resolve to live with purity? Resolve to live with purity because God says to. <laughs> Crazy thought, right? That God would tell us to do something and we should do it. Bonkers. But that's the exact thing that Daniel knew. If you want to follow along, that's your first point. God says to do this, so you do it. Resolve to live with purity because God says to. It's as simple as that. It's the best possible life. And I think that's what Daniel knew. Daniel knew that if he followed the laws, it was God's way of showing this is how you live. Daniel, Israel, all of you, you want to live the best possible life? Live in this way. Live in this manner. Follow these laws. Follow these rules that I've given you so that you can have freedom. He knew it was the best possible life. And here's the deal. This right here, we don't have a Torah. We don't have five books. We don't have to memorize it. It's in your hands. This is a blueprint for the best possible life. This is God's word to you saying, listen, if you want to have the best life possible, this is how you live it. It's not what the world says. It's not what your external circumstances tell you to do. It's this. Follow this and you'll have the best possible life. So resolve not to defile yourself. Resolve to live with purity, just like Daniel did. And resolve to do that because God says to. 
It's the simplest thing in the world. Now, it's a funny question because the follow-up to that is, oh, that's great, God says to. Well, then how do I actually do it? Well, the funny part is there's someone in the book of Psalms who asked the exact same question. So we're going to open up to Psalm 119. Near the middle of the Bible, Psalm 119, it's going to be page 660. I'm sorry, page 610. I don't know where I got the 60 from. Page 610, Psalm 119. Now, fun fact, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter of any book of the Bible. And in Psalm 119, we see someone writing the exact same question that we are asking tonight. Why do we live with purity? Because God says to. Simple. Okay, but then how do you live with purity? Well, here's the question. Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. Let's read along. Page 610, Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of what? Purity. Purity. Let's try that again, 100%. How can a young person stay on the path of? Purity. Purity. Hmm, sounds familiar. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I told you this is like the the easiest arithmetic you're ever going to hear in this room. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes and following the laws that you laid out. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, the interesting part about Psalm 119 that I love is that some scholars would actually say that Daniel may have been the psalmist writing this. That it was either David or Daniel. And if Daniel's the one writing this, he's saying, how can a young person live with purity? Well, I know how to do that. I practiced it when I was 15. I had resolved not to defile myself and follow what God told me to do. So I'm going to resolve to live with purity because God says to. And how am I going to do it? By living according to his word. So how is it that you live with purity? You follow God's word. You resolve to live with purity by following God's word. Again, tonight is not tough. Resolve to live with purity because God says to. And you resolve to live with purity by following God's word. This is the blueprint for the best possible life. You want to know how to live that out? Do these two things. But here's the deal. A lot of you came in in this room tonight, and you are feeling, as we talk about this, this whole subject of purity, you are probably feeling some sense of a check in your spirit maybe a wave of guilt, maybe an overwhelming, residing feeling of, yeah, but I've messed up. I haven't done this. And then you think back to your past and you think, yes, but now I'm I'm impure because of what I've done. Maybe you come in here tonight and you have not been living with resolve. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you've made decisions that you're not proud of. Maybe other people have been affected. Maybe there have been situations in your life that have been affected because of the lack of resolve. What you have to hear you got to hear is that God gives his grace freely. You don't have to get clean before you come to God. You come to God and he makes you clean. You can choose right now to live with resolve. 
And the moment you do, God will show up and he'll say, let me show you how. Live according to this. I'll show you exactly how you're supposed to live. It's right here. Everything you need is right here. When Savannah was up here singing and preaching to y'all on the prompt, good gracious, when she was doing that, she said, everything in this world will fade away. It'll all disappear. It'll all let you down at one point. All of it will. And my dad, I shared a story about my dad last week about how he read the Bible when he was 20. He was 20 years old and he decided to read the Bible all the way through during his 20th year of life. And because of that decision, there's been a huge impact, huge influence on me, on my older sister, on his wife, my entire family because of that decision. And what it did is it showed him how to live according to God's word because he got in the word. If you go back to Psalm 119, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Verse, verse 13, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. See, there's a heart element when we talk about purity that you have to grasp. Because remember, purity is not just sex. Purity is a lifestyle. And the Bible shows us over and over and over again how to live. You don't think that's true? Let me give you some examples. The Bible tells you how to live with purity with your words. Maybe some of you are like, have a potty mouth. I don't know. And you cuss like a sailor. It's okay. Um, no, it's not, especially if you're a girl. That's weird. Uh, but the Bible tells you how to live with purity with your words in James 3, in Zephaniah 3, and in 1 Peter 3. I'm going to start spitting scripture at you, and you can just take it and receive it and do what you want with it. Maybe you got a problem with that. Awesome. The Bible tells you how to live with it. James 3, Zephaniah 3, and 1 Peter 3. Yes, Zephaniah is a book in the Bible that is not made up. It is an actual book. James 3, Zephaniah 3, 1 Peter 3. It tells you how to have purity in your mind and how you think and how you process things. In Philippians 4, it tells you how to have purity in your heart. In Matthew 5 and in Psalm 73. It tells you how to have purity with your heart or with your eyes in Job 31 and in Matthew 6. It tells you to have resolve in the things that you look at so that you don't defile yourself and succumb to sin. It tells you how to have purity with your sexuality. Yes, that is an element of purity. And as we talk about that, it shows you how to have purity in your sexuality in 1 Thessalonians 4 and in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, don't, don't succumb to the things of the world, to the, to the desires of your flesh and the sexual immorality. Live with holiness, live towards purity and follow God. And it tells you how to have purity in your entire life in 1 Corinthians 7 and in Daniel chapter 1. See, Daniel chapter 1, if you want to go back to that, it actually shows us how to live your entire life with purity. And see, Daniel knew what it was like to live that way. See, we said at the beginning that the purity is much more than sex. It's an entire lifestyle. Now, the funny part of this, um, I love doing weddings. I get to officiate weddings as a pastor. It's one of the biggest perks that I have. I've done over about 35 weddings. It's a blast. Uh, there's a couple in C12 that's getting married this Saturday. Yeah. It's an exciting time down in St. Simons. I'm very excited for them. Here's, here's the fun part of the weddings. Every single time before I do a wedding, there's, I always have to meet with a couple. Now, I don't do the premarital counseling. I encourage other people to do that. But when I meet with them, I ask their questions. We talk through expectations, through details, and then they ask me questions, and I get to hear their story. 
And in every single couple, whether neither of them know Jesus or both of them know Jesus, we have the conversation and it comes up, this awesome, fun question, are you having sex? Now, some of you in the room just got uncomfortable because I asked that, okay? Now, I'm sitting at a table from here to here. Hey, y'all having sex? Like, just, it's, I feel uncomfortable asking it, but every time I ask that question. And sometimes two people that don't even follow Jesus say no. Because they understand that there's something inside of you that is not designed to experience that before marriage. There's a moral compass that we all have. And yet then there are couples that both know Jesus and a lot of them will say no. And it's incredible. And I give them a pound and I say high five and I say, congratulations, uh, you got to keep working harder because it's only going to get more difficult. Little newsflash, being engaged sucks. It's like I almost get to have sex with you, right? (laughs) All the responsibilities of marriage and none of the benefits. Being engaged is awful. And so I sit there and tell them like, hey, are you having sex? And they say no. And I'm like, yes, press on, keep going harder. And then if they say yes, I get to look at them and I get to say, I'm going to ask you to stop. And you would think with some of the guys, I literally just asked them to like get a divorce before they even married. Like it's just impossible, right? But I ask them every single time, all right, I'm going to ask you to stop. And here's why. And it's a simple illustration. Whether you believe in Jesus and you follow him and he saved you and you are alive spiritually for eternity with him or you're not. There's a simple question that I think everyone in their right mind would answer the exact same way. If you had a choice of how to live and you could choose to live on God's team or to live not on God's team, how many of you in the room would choose, show of hands, to live on God's team? That just freaking makes sense. Call it what it is. No one in their right mind would say, you know what? Even if he exists, (laughs) no, I'll take the opposite. I don't want to live on his team. Everyone in their right mind would say, yeah, I want to live on God's team. And every single couple, all 35 of them that I've done their wedding, every couple that I sit there and I I ask them that question, they say, yeah, I want to live on God's team. I say, great, then you got to do what he says. And God's design for marriage is that you would be able to experience sex inside of that confine, not outside of it. So you have to fight for your purity. You have to resolve to have purity because God says to. It's that simple. And we see it over and over and over again in Daniel's story. When Daniel was in the lion's den. How many of you ever heard of Daniel in the lion's den, right? From Sunday school and VBS. Now, Daniel lions then, Daniel experienced incredible favor from God because God shut the mouths of lions. Have any of you ever been in a den with multiple lions? No, because you wouldn't freaking be here, okay? They're lions. And yet he stayed overnight in this den with lions and walked out, and it was awesome. One of them was just sitting there. It was like Mr. Bojangles just chilling on his leg. What's up, Aslan? That's what he said. Just hanging out with lions because God's favor showed up. He closed the mouth of the lions and Daniel lived. Or in Daniel's leadership, Daniel, we're going to talk about this next week or in two weeks. Daniel actually survived and continued to be in upper levels of leadership in his governmental organization through multiple takeovers. He was in Jerusalem as an Israelite and the Babylonians took him over. And then the Babylonians were taken over after Daniel had already risen up. 
And the entire time, Daniel continued to find God's favor, continued to be risen up in his leadership. In all of his circumstances, his friends went into a fiery furnace that is hotter than anything you can imagine, and they were dancing around in there doing the chicken dance with Jesus. I don't, that's what y'all did up here earlier. I don't know if you knew that, but Savannah said Jesus is here, and y'all doing the chicken dance, so good job. That's what they were doing because God's favor showed up. They were on God's team. Now go back to Daniel and let's look at the rest of the story after he said, no, I'm not going to do this. So go back to Daniel chapter one, 881. And when we look at this, we're going to see that Daniel had a choice to make, whether to be on God's team or to not be on God's team. He had a resolve to not defile himself and live with purity or defile himself and follow the crowd. And in that choice, something began to happen. So go back to Daniel 1 in chapter, uh, chapter 1. That would be Daniel 1. Uh, verse 8, we're going to pick back up. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official. Who caused? God. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Of all of them to Daniel. Wonder why. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. That doesn't make sense. And Daniel then said, verse 11, to the guard, whom the, to the guard whom the official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, all four of them, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, who defile themselves, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So the official agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink, and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. This would become God's favor as well later on when he had to interpret dreams. Verse 18, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. So now he brings all of them, the end of three years, brings all of them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Of all the cream of the crop, those four rose to the top. And so they went into the king's service. Verse 20. This is crazy. In every single matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, those four, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Now, when Daniel first got there, there was nothing that set him apart. He was an Israelite. He was like all the rest. Now, yes, he was good looking. He was a dreamboat. He was smart. He was all that. Okay. But so was everybody else. And yet thousands of years later, we talk about four guys' names. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the reason why is because something happened in verse 8. They get there and Daniel said, hmm, 
Okay, I'm going to resolve not to defile myself in this way because God says this is how I should live. God says live with purity. And so I'm going to do that and I'm going to follow him because God says to. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to live according to God's word, to the statutes that are written on my heart. I'm going to delight in them because this is the best possible life. And the moment he did this, he found God's favor. If you want to be on God's team, that's called living with favor. It's like playing basketball on Dwight Howard's team. Okay. If you're on Dwight Howard's team, you're going to win. The dude is seven foot 18 and 387,000 pounds. And he has shoulders the size of basketballs. You try to play against him like I did in high school. You're going to lose. Okay. That's what favor looks like. You're on God's team. How do you get that? You resolve to live with purity. You resolve to live with purity in your sexual life. You fight for your purity. You resolve to say, I'm not going to look at that on the computer. I'm not going to pleasure myself in this way. I'm not going to do whatever this guy says. I'm not going to do whatever this girl says. I'm not going to look at that girl, even though she's smoking hot, because I'm not going to take into my eyes what's going to later tempt me. I'm going to resolve not to allow my body to be overwhelmed by all this food, all these delicacies, all this crap that I could put in my body. I'm going to respect what God's given me and steward it well. I'm going to live with purity. I'm not going to choose to allow myself to be overtaken by all these things in my media and in my culture that I could watch, that I could listen to, that I can partake in. Because whatever I bring into my body could either defile me or allow me to live with purity. So if you want to be on God's team, if you want to live the best possible life, then you resolve to live with purity. Find resolve to do that. Why? Because God says to. How? You live according to God's word. There are example after example after example of how to do that. And that's how you live with purity. Daniel shows us how to do it. And see, in Daniel's life, it's one of incredible favor because he had the resolve not to defile himself to live with purity and to be set apart, to be consecrated to God. And what Jesus would tell every single one of you tonight is the exact same thing. Find the resolve not to defile yourself, to live with purity and to be set apart. That's what Jesus is calling you to do. So where are you defiling yourself? In what area of your life it's God saying, do that. And you're like, I'm going to do this. Tonight, you can decide to take that one thing, take those few things, take that lifestyle, your entire life. It doesn't matter. And you can say, God, this is me. This is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. I want to be on your team. I want to follow your words. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to have resolve in my purity. Would you help me do that? If you say that exact thing, he'll show up and he'll give it to you. Because you don't have to get clean before you come to God. You come to God and he makes you clean. He will make you pure. That's his grace. So where are you defiling yourself? Let me pray for y'all. Father, I say I want to pray for them because I know that we need help with this. <laughs> I know that this isn't easy. I know this is something that is near impossible in the culture we live in, the time we live in, the, the surroundings that we have all around us, Father. And yet you still never change. It's a song we sang. You're the anchor of our soul. And the truth is that 
right is right, even if no one's doing it, and wrong is wrong, even if no one's doing it. Right and wrong have not changed over thousands of years. You've stayed the same, and you tell us how to live. So, Father, my ask is that in the name of Jesus, you'd give the people in this room the power to say, I'm going to resolve to live with purity. I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to live according to your word. I'm going to start to figure out what it looks like to read your word, to come before you, to approach your throne, to understand what it looks like to have an authentic, unique, real relationship with you. So, Father, as we draw near to you, you promise us in James 4 that if we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm begging you to draw near to us. Would you give us the strength to have the resolve to live with purity, to step away from the situations we find ourselves in, to put up safeguards on our computers and our phones, God, to build accountability into our life so that we don't have to fall into those traps to get rid of the, of the music and the muck and the movies and everything else that just takes us further and further away from the holiness that you desire for us to live in. Father, would there be an incredible amount of resolve in this room that is unlike any other that's ever happened in this ministry, unlike any other that's ever happened in these people's lives. May tonight be a marking moment for the rest of their life. May the trajectory of their life change because they decided to say, I'm gonna have resolve not to defile myself in that way. No more will I do this. I'm following you, Father. And I ask that as you see that faith, you see that that incredible following of you, Father, that you would follow that up with your favor. Father, deliver that into our hearts. Graciously grant that to us. Allow us to experience the freedom of what it looks like to follow your word. You offer us the best possible life. So if there's anyone in this room tonight that would say, that's what I want, then Father, draw them into you. Show them how to live that. Give them the the desire and the thirst to get in your word. And then teach us and mold us and guide us and grow us up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both you and with men, just as you did Jesus. That's what you're in the business of, God. So do it in this place tonight. May your word sink into our hearts and change us. And then over the next few moments, Father, I ask that we would find the freedom to respond to you, to declare that you are the living God and we want to follow what you say because it's what you say. We don't need any other reasons. You're God, that's enough. So may that be enough for us in our hearts and in our lives tonight. God, I love you, I adore you, I'm so thankful for you and that we get to do this. So speak to us in Jesus' name, amen.